Hello, this is Janet Gallen welcoming you to Love Letters Live. Today's guest is an actor you most likely have seen and know. I'm not sure you know the um, many facets here. So I'm going to go right to you, Vince DiPaolo, and you you talk about what you do. Well, I'll tell you what, why don't you just start and let us know, when did you first decide that you wanted to become an actor? Well, as I discussed with uh, David Zimmerman, uh, I was in Italy studying as mm -hmm. an adolescent. And one day I skipped school, literally, and uh, in Salerno, Italy, near Naples. And I was in boarding school and I just went to see a movie. Uh, of course, it was not, of course, it, well, it was an Italian subtitle, but uh, it was um, a 007, 007 type movie uh -huh. with Stuart Granger. Oh, my goodness. And way, all before, this, way before, what's his name? Well, it, yeah, it was during the same period. He happened to do a kind of movie. It wasn't a literal 007 movie. It was something uh -huh. like it. Okay. Same, same genre. Yeah. Uh -huh. But there I was at a ripe old age of 16, and um, all of a sudden I got the bug. Uh, I want to be there. I said, I remember saying, <laughs> Italian, of course. I yeah. want to do that. I like that. I like that feel. I like that bluish color, those, those okay. ambience. So what did you like best about it? What grabbed you? Well, you know how young people, whether they're male or female, they, they look at magazines and they see artists and they see models and they see singers and rock stars. Well, this was, in my case, it was an actor. It was the film. Uh, so you identified with the actor more than identif the role? Identify with the whole business. With okay. The filmmaking, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> there was also a uh, another component to this that I wanted to come back to America. I miss my mom. Oh, uh, yeah. That's really the truth. I, I really missed her. And I didn't want to stay in boarding school. I had been in Italy about five and a half years by that time. Oh, you were in boarding school there for five and a half years? Well, it, it, not in boarding school, but in uh -huh. Italy, yeah. Okay. But, but at that time, I was in boarding school. <clears throat> and then I started writing to my mother. And next thing you know, I come back on a nice jet. And here I am, the rest is history. And I went now, to So Italy. where was your mother? In New York or Los Angeles? No, 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 no Seattle. Everybody's from, everybody yeah. lived in Seattle. Ah, okay. So what was your next step? After I'm always curious well, how people get where they go. <clears throat> Your next step after you decided you wanted to do that. Well, I, I enrolled in drama classes in high school. You know, you uh, um, junior high and high school. I had finished the eighth grade in Italy, and I was uh, starting the ninth grade. So when I went back to uh, Seattle, I uh, went automatically directly into ninth grade, and I went into drama class, and I never stopped since. So wow. So the whole year, all the years of high school. Was doing drama. I was also an athlete. I mean, I played baseball and all that, but I was uh, doing drama and doing plays. And uh, the desire grew and grew. And uh, it reached. So it, was a, it was a natural progression then. It was a natural progression. Yes. Well, what was your first role? I don't mean, oh. well, what was your first movie role? And what was your first role in the plays that you did in high school? Start with. Well, I, I quite frankly, I don't remember place I did okay. it, but it was nothing that uh, indelible. It was just a lot of scenes and stuff we did. I may have done something. I don't remember if there were full-pledged plays, but you know, drama classes in high school, they don't do plays necessarily. They just do drama classes and study drama and do some scenes and what have you. But what it reached the crescendo, uh, Janet, when
when um, there was an, uh, someone from the School of Performing Arts came to Seattle to audition for actors, uh, something to that effect. And I auditioned to uh, enroll in, uh, in college in San Diego. This is right after I graduated or during the time I was graduating high school. And uh, I was accepted and uh, I went to, went to San Diego. That's, that's where it really all started, right how, after how, high school. How did, it, how did it start in earnest there? Well, I went to a school performing arts, which oh, was accredited, uh, you know, school of drama. It's, it's like saying, you know, right. Juilliard on the West Coast. I see. Okay. I, I was not aware of that. What was your first movie role? The very first movie role, and now we're jumping to 1974, uh, was with Lepke, uh, I mean, Tony Curtis, a movie uh, called Lepke about the Jewish gangster. And I played uh, another gangster. Uh, I was 20. Well, what was I? It was about. Um, can we get that on? Can we stream that? Like yes, on- as a matter of fact, one. Because no, I haven't seen it. Well, most people, well, it was 1974. Most people, uh, well, most people, uh, you can't. I was, I was around in 1974. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you were. You're a little kid, about five. <laughs> no. But most people can streamline it on YouTube, Lepke starring Tony Curtis. Okay, everybody. I'm, I'm going to do that this afternoon. I have a, I have, I'm in a few scenes. I have some very, you know, poignant scenes where I test uh, a coat or jacket for opium and I give oh. one of these signals and I have a scene with Tony around the table. So it was a first role and um, that really sealed it for me. I mean, you know, I, I wanted to be an actor since I was 16. Okay, so I, I'm curious about the roles. Did you like playing that character? Well, of course. I like doing anything on a movie set. I mean, I okay. had a wonderful director and there's Tony Curtis and we grew up with Tony. You know, everywhere. I, I was just curious, like when you're looking for a role when you're offered things or you're just looking on your own, do you, do you have a preference or as you say, anything at all? As an well, not any, no, at this point in my life, not anything at all. No. I mean, in the beginning, you take what you can take, uh, sure. you know, other than anything nefarious or, you know, immoral like porn or something. I wouldn't do that, but you, you, you take what you can, as long as it's part and parcel of the movie business or TV business, you know, or theatrical business. I mean, but I, you know, I picture you and I shouldn't do that. No, you have to look I, at my younger, you look at my younger photos. You'll, you'll definitely say, well, you should be a Matt May Idol or a leading man. Or oh, a, I can tell that Latin by looking lover. at you now, but I'm going to look those up also. Yeah. Well, right now I'm an old guy. I'm an old guy. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm old the guy. father of the good looking son. Right okay. So my, my question is, you look like a natural for adventure. Adventure? Yeah, adventure roles. Well, I never heard that one before. I I, I was told I was a Bengazara type, then a De Niro type, then a Pacino type. Well, that's all. That's all. Oh, I picture those as adventure movies. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So yeah. In that case, you're right. <laughs> yes. No, it's either a cop or a mobster or a priest. <laughs> I know. I, I don't. Yeah, you you look like you could do all. Of, by the way, when you when or you a lawyer or a, or a good lawyer, I, I can play. Yes, play. yes, I can see that. Not Mr. Peepers. No, not Mr. Peepers. <laughs> so my my question is that when when and I've I've always been kind of curious about this because I thought of it myself when you're playing a part. 
I, I'm guessing that it's easier to play a part that kind of reflects your own inner being that's closer to who you really are. Well, of course, it, okay. it, one would think so. And 99% of the time, that's correct. There are parts and characters that I've played or know about that uh, notwithstanding the similarities in culture, and background, ethnicity, and, you know, uh, what have you, um, there's still challenges that may arise. Uh, in, sure. Depending on, you know, uh, what the character is all about. What's the farthest you've ever gone from your own self in playing a role? A handsome man. No, stop that. <laughs> I would say that uh, the furthest, that farthest I've gone. I mean, you've got mirrors at your house, right? <laughs> you're, being, you're too kind. I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> No, but thank you anyway. But the bottom line is, I would say um, something that would be offensive oh. to either the public at large, uh -huh. unless it's a biblical story, which there's nothing to do with public at large, or something that would be offensive to my faith, uh, my, my religious belief. Or, okay. anyone, or anyone's religious beliefs. We, yeah, I'd like to talk about that for a minute because I know you do have strong religious beliefs and you've written a book, right? Yeah, it's a humble little book that I put right. in called um, A Believing in what, what would be, that's such a good question, what would be offensive to your religious beliefs as a devoted Catholic? Well, I'm a Christian, Christian, Christian. I mean, I was well, raised oh, not Catholic. Catholic. I mean, I, I was raised a Catholic, but there is a differentiation, but I don't okay. want to go there. But okay. they're Christians too, don't get me wrong. I mean, uh, sure. You know, I, 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 I'll, I have no problem going to a Catholic church if I have to. With, oh, but, okay, sure. But um, that's a theological issue. These are denominational issues. But, um, well, swearing, cursing God in any way. Oh, good for you. Uh, um, and that's about it, really. Or, or you know, of course, if I'm denying my faith on film, that's different. It's obviously a, right. a make-believe. But, you know, when you look at biblical films, uh, you know, Edward G. Robinson, Charlton Heston, you name them. I mean, they, some of them, well, not Charlton Heston, but Edward G. Robinson, he played some pretty naughty people in the biblical yeah. story. Yes. But, you know, that's not really that offensive. Although, you know, like, well, where's your God now? Who is he? He's nothing. He's fake. He's not good. That's 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 not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about modern films that would swear and curse and get uh, very um, disparaging and defaming God in any way beyond the call, beyond, okay, the, good beyond the pale, beyond the pale. Good for you I to think, say I think that's that. about all I can say about okay. that. Okay. You know, I, I, was, I once was told I had expressed some disdain, I guess, at some movie I had seen, and pretty much the entire dialogue was, he's, you know, a-hole this and F that. It was just- I don't do that. I, no, I, I know. I, I'm glad, that, I'm glad. And it was, it was just ridiculous. It was almost the entire dialogue no. and a lot of fighting. Somebody said to me that in movie making, at some point, it became easier to do that, to have movies with a lot of action and no real dialogue except for vile dialogue because they went international and exactly. it made translating easier. Yeah, you didn't well, have to go on fine points. I, that's a very interesting point. I don't know about how mature or real that could be, 
but I, or or actual that is. Yeah. Uh, I know I've done dubbing, I've done subtitles myself, and I know that world a little bit. But let me just say this: um, anytime, take even comedians, uh, not only uh, actors or scripts or movies, but comedians. Anytime someone is constantly cussing or swearing, uh, using f bombs or what have you. Uh huh. I agree. Um, I mean, there's nothing there. They're 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 the morons messiah. I agree. I agree. You know, I mean, Seinfeld doesn't swear. Bill Cosby didn't swear. And Bob uh, Hope never did. Bob Hope never swore. No, no, then. Jerry Lewis. I know they never did. Jerry Lewis, whom uh, I studied with his son, by the way, in school performing arts. Right. Yeah. I got. I met Jerry too. Uh, they they don't have to swear. You don't have to to be funny. No, you don't. But uh, Don Rickles didn't swear. And he was you don't there. have to swear, and you don't have to demean others to be funny. Right, exactly. And Red Fox, for example, he swore from the time he got up in the morning till the time he went right. to bed. It's, right. it's called, you know, that blue dark comedy. But right. uh, and yet he was a fantastic talent. I mean, I, yes. I met him. I think Belle Barth was another one. Do you remember her? Of course, of course. Foul mouth, but she was funny. There were and fun. by the way, I think what was considered a foul mouth then, we wouldn't like even. But they didn't go that far. That's right. Well, Red Fox did. Red Fox. Right, did. Right, you, right, but right. You, you, it's not right when you make an exception because he's Red Fox. I mean, he's just yes. brilliant at what he did. But no, I don't need to. I mean, if there's a word or a line and it's all about dialogue, right? If there's a dialogue that includes the F word once or twice in the whole film for me, and it's just okay, I can handle that. I'm not trying to be a monk. I'm right. not a monk. By the way, it doesn't take God's name in vain. Right. I'm talking about the Judeo-Christian God here, okay? Right. And, I, and Muslims, uh, friends of mine, they wouldn't do that either. You don't take God's name in vain. Um, and, um, and uh, you know, you don't want to put an image out there that is uh, part of the decadence of society that we live in right now. Oh, you sound like such an elegant man. That's well, so I, can, I, I can be mean and I can be foul mouth, but not right now. <laughs> but but you're at your core, at your core. By my core, I try to be. Uh, yes. I try to be. Tell God. me, I, I read that you had a restaurant at one point. Yes, I had a you restaurant. Cook? Was, you cook? Well, I'm not a cook. I'm not right. a chef per se, but I can yeah. cook some dishes. Yeah. Okay. So I wasn't, I wasn't the chef in my restaurant. Partner. What what prompted you to open a restaurant? Tell me about yeah, that. Yeah, what else do you do when you don't act and sing? You know, you, you open up a restaurant, right? If you're Greek or Italian, you open up a diner or a restaurant when you're not doing anything else. No, what prompted me is that I had, I had been around restaurant tours and I still am all my life. My father and mother were sort of in the business at one point. Oh. My sister had bought a, you know, they were not restaurant tours, but, you know, I, I, I grew up around that world, in that world, kind of, sort of. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Sarno's Restaurant on Vermont in the Hollywood area. You know Hollywood at all? You know LA at all? Well, I'm from there, so I, but I- Right, I you know Vermont area, East LA, Vermont, and Los yeah. Los, that area. Well, there was a famous, I say it was, because now they actually sold everything, outbuilding everything, they no longer exist. Uh, a, a family uh, very close to me called Sarno's, S-A-R-N-O bakery and restaurant they sang opera there it was a cafe there uh, so i sort of hung out there a lot and met people and knew people it was my own, my home away from home and when i went through my depression and uh, bankruptcy and everything else i hit rock bottom and then by the grace of god i won some money in a scratch ticket lottery 
And I said, I'm, it's time to get out of Hollywood. It's time to get away from this world. Uh-huh. Go back home with my family and open up a restaurant. And Are you comfortable uh, saying what made you hit rock bottom? Oh, no, I no problem. Uh, I succumbed to a subclinical, as they call it, depression. Oh, I okay. Suffered, I suffered the ailments of depression. I don't I wish to okay. I didn't take any medication. I just bit the bullet, went to my church there in Seattle, milked it for what I could. The pastor was a good friend of mine, went to the classes and, you know, therapy sessions, couldn't sleep, lost 50 pounds. Wow. I, was one, I was one who couldn't sleep. A lot of people sleep too much. I mm-hmm. couldn't sleep. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tried and grinded away and eventually it subsided Oh, good. Uh, a year and a half prayer, no medication. And um, yeah, I, that was a dark time in my life. So the I'm, rest I'm of glad my- you were able to mention that because it's always helpful to others to hear somebody's oh, journey. Oh, yes. I, I've counseled, uh, not as a, as a lay counselor, I counsel maybe. I, you know, like, uh, you know, AA. Well, this mm-hmm, is sort of mm-hmm. AA for depression, depressive. For you. So, uh, so the restaurant. Anyway, the restaurant. I had the restaurant for about four years, and partner, and we built it from scratch, literally, uh, and we did quite well, and we sold it in in nineteen eighty eight. Where was it? Uh, in Seattle. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh-huh. I, I have a question. I'm so curious about it. I think owning a restaurant has got to be one of the most difficult things. No, it's easy. Is it really? You know, I had two dinner parties once back to back. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Nights, eight people each night, and I was ready for an institution. And I thought, started thinking, how do people have a restaurant where they can have forty or a hundred people every single night for dinner? Well, Janet, that's a very good point. Everyone, a lot of not everyone, but a lot of people that want to dive into that world of restaurant food business, especially sit down restaurant with a bar and all. Oh, it's romantic. You meet people, you have fun, there's music, which we all had. We all had. But I was there at 9 a.m. To, till 12. Minutes. Yes, and you have to you have to keep the floors clean and make sure there's toilet paper in the oh, ladies' that's, room that's, and that's the change least. the light bulbs. What? That's the least of it. You, you, you're buying yourself a job. Yeah. Now, if it goes through the roof and you do it financially very well, you can hire a manager, what have you. Sure. But restaurant business, 95% of time fails after two years i'm not surprised but i never fail i didn't fail and uh my partner i don't want to you know say anything bad he just uh, was tired he was kind of pooped out mm-hmm. and uh when a cook and partner starts to uh, fade <clears throat> complain i said well i saw i saw the writing on the wall and I said, well, let's just sell this place. And, and that was okay it. with you at that point? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. sure. Yeah, I wanted to buy it, but I didn't. I said, why? You know. Uh, so that had, sounds like that was a good decision, though. Yeah, it was. We made a few bucks, and I came back to LA. <laughs> right. And, and, oh, so then you you got back into acting. I, well, I came back, and I got back into show business. Yeah. The first thing I did after that was do a video. I, I, just, I formed a company called Apollo Productions. And my first video was uh, how to speak Italian without saying a word. Oh. It's all about Italian hand gestures, which was the first on video and tape that I did. No one, everyone else did it on print and print. But this was on tape, and I have a copyright of the Library of Congress. And of course, can we see that? 
Well, I don't know. It, it, you probably could be a part of it on YouTube. How does okay. it dying without saying a word? Yeah. But anyway, then, you know, the rest is history. I just uh, got back involved with people and um, and uh, just went on from there. And it's uh, sort of been a roller coaster since 88 for me. But uh, things finally settled when I married my wife. And I got centered and became, nice. you know, had, a, had a base and uh, started to realize what was really important in life. It's not one's great desire and passion only. It's also a wife, a family, you know, friends, health, you know. Yes. Doing work and charitable work. Yes. Serving, serving your God and all that. All those things we realize with such ease as we get a little bit older. That's right. And Isn't that right? Yeah, what so is that? Somebody I, once said youth is wasted on the young. I was just going to say that. Uh, Bernard <laughs> Shaw. I believe yes. Bernard Shaw who was a great uh -huh, yes, playwright, yeah, of course. That's right. <laughs> and although uh, an atheist, but he did say that. And um, yes. at least he's quoted had to have said that. Yes. He may not be the original one, but he said that. What is your book? I read a couple of things in it. You know, let, me, let me just preface everything by saying this. I'm not Hemingway. That's okay. Uh, okay, you know, these are excerpts original excerpts gems of wisdom as i call them spiritual insights. Oh, so like a collection of yeah they're random they're random right. there's no pattern uh it's about 170 of them and i was just compelled i had started making notes over the years it took me seven years to finally say okay let me, let me publish it well a, a christian organization published it and it's on amazon Okay, and, I'll uh, that too. you know it's it's what it is it's not it's meant to be a humble you know uh sort of insight into god's heart and mind and uh trying to add accentuate it with a few moments of humor Th those Please. kind of things i think are very um they're intriguing when you get you know blips of wisdom from other people it doesn't matter where it comes from it's nice that you can have it well, in front of you it's my wisdom it's my yes. kind of wisdom, but I, I was—I believe I was uh, inspired by God. Uh, I mean, I don't claim to be Socrates or Plato here or Cicero or Hemingway. Or well, Hemingway wasn't a philosopher, <laughs> but uh, he was a very mixed-up person, but a great yes. writer. Yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, you know, again, it's just a summation of my spiritual walk and i thought let's make it a little bit funny too i saw that part yes yeah. um gavin mcleod the great actor my dear friend oh. who david met and i mean while well, he talked to him we did a video thing with him i did love his work yeah and he uh wrote a forward to it um so thank you for bringing up the book but you know it's been about a year and a half now and I mean, it didn't go through the roof, but uh, there, there's been people buying it. I mean, nice. Okay. I didn't. I didn't really sell it. To me. I mean, sell it. Nice. I didn't write it to make money. Okay. So I've I got something. I've got some things to look up today. For Lepke, your pictures as a young man, and your book. I've well, got my afternoon you, cut out for me. Well, you, go on, I, you go on IMDb to find all. Yes, that. that's what I do. Yes, I have a question because I am basically about love letters. Are you, and I was, I see that you said right away that you wrote letters to your mother and you missed her. Oh, yes. I'm a, I'm a good letter writer, by the 
a bit. So do you still, do you have those letters? Did your mother keep them or? Well, I doubt that she kept them. Um, that's a, I never was asked that question. I. That's okay. If that's I don't. I don't know. I don't think so because I didn't find anything. But you don't really know. Yes. No. She. She. She passed away, and I was there in the house. And oh, you didn't everything. see them. I didn't. Know, I didn't find any safe letters. I found cards. Uh huh. Went to her for holidays and all that, and I have a couple things from her. I say I'm a saver. Don't ever challenge me. As saying, 20 years ago, you didn't know that person. I said, oh, yeah? Ah. Here's my phone. Here's a phone bill statement of me calling him, and here's his number 20 <laughs> years later, and I have it. So don't, good for I, you. I, I do okay. say But, you know, you make, you're touching on a really good point, I think, about letters, because memory does fade, or it can. Oh, yes. And there's something about being able to look back at the written Yes. The written word of how you felt or what uh yes the written word is the written word is the yes, word yes. And, uh, do you write letters now ever there's no one to really write letters to i Ooh. no i don't write letters i mean unless it's a very special moment for an occasion or something or i'm asked to do eulogies a lot um, well, so i do come up with something original by the way uh, sometimes a good love letter I mean, in my experience, having, you know, I've been doing this for like, what, I don't know, 14 years or something. And very you're very, often, you're very good at it. Thank you. Very often, the, the love letters that you've written to somebody, friend to friend, or sweetheart, or just a whole variety of things, is what is read as the eulogy. Right. Well, yeah. that's true. That's what I did last time. I actually uh -huh. wrote a letter supposedly using the... Uh, the departed as the one who wrote the letter oh and writing it to everyone whom she loves here on earth what a lovely idea yeah and i said oh it's not original i don't think and saying listen here i am and here's what's going on and don't worry and i go on and on and on about it and i give people hope and spiritual inspiration and uplifting because truly truly i believe this with every fiber of my being Janet. notwithstanding whatever one's faith is or religion or background or lack of faith whether it be atheism, agnosticism, Shintoism, whatever it is, or Christianity or Judaism. I don't believe at all that this is the last stop. You don't believe what? I don't believe this is the last stop. Oh. This is just a pit stop. I, I, believe can, I can get behind that. I believe that we were created mm -hmm. for a purpose and allowed free will and with a built-in moral compass that we either utilize and apply or do not. And there is a patient God, a divine God, a divine judge as well. He cannot be perfect if he does not also judge. Who's patient and long-suffering and gives us a lot of time to make up for and repent and turn around. And there is a uh, moment of reckoning one is going to be reckoned with eventually but i don't believe that you just rot in a grave and that's the end of it i don't believe that at all now how god the god i believe in the judeo-christian god how one lives that kind of life 
uh, and uh, you formulate you formulate your philosophy of life, <clears throat> and you live by it in the code. And you know, I think people. One of the gems of wisdom that I try to share with people is that we're born evil, trying to be good. We weren't born good, perfect, and innocent, becoming evil. I think it's the other way around. And when one holds on to that, starts thinking about that, you'll realize what, why, what's going on in the world is happening. And oh you know, my goodness! Just, yeah. People are just evil. Yeah. Uh, there is such a thing as a force called evil. Uh, yes. Uh, that's clear. That's clear. I mean, how how it arises and what it and what it happens to it is a whole other issue. But I I've got a question. Has it ever occurred to you? because it's occurring to me, occurred to you to write letters to yourself, maybe even one a month? No. Out, uh, no. You know, dear, dear Vincent, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just so glad that you bothered to think about such and such, whatever it is. I've done that. We've done Have that you? too much. We've done that. Um, <clears throat> I did that a long time ago when I was going through that dark passage of depression. Uh, it was letters to God. It was poetry. It was. Uh, uh-huh. Do you do that? Was that in your own handwriting? My own. Well, I, some of them. Okay. A lot of them I tore up because I don't want to. I don't want to go back to. But no, I. I mean, I know where you're you're going with this. I, the point is, I'm not one to save. I don't. I don't have diaries. I. I don't. I have diaries. Uh, maybe I should have. I should have. But I am assuming that you're referring to your whole show about love letters, right? And how important letters are to oneself and to others. Is that what you're- I feel they are. Well, yeah, they are. I mean, you know, there are many of us just don't sit down and write things that we go through every day, And but I have. Yes, I mean, I tend to think if you have a positive thought about somebody, you might as well write it down and send it. Oh. Well, that's that's charming. That's wonderful. That Gratitude taken to the grave doesn't really serve anybody. Right. You're yeah. what, you, you do that by email a lot, or or in in. in, in I know. I, I I do both. I mean, I'm ah, a good for you. Good for you. You're but I do. Good. You know. Yes. Well, good I want to thank you for doing this with me. It's been a pleasure getting to know the man behind the. Uh, well, name. thank you. Thank you for yes. inquiring and being interested. I and as they say, I'd rather be interested than interesting. <laughs> good point good point you yes, well, you're, you're managing to do both so that's <laughs> all right dear well i will i hope i'll talk to you some other time and just for now i want to say thank you this has been really interesting interesting best to you god bless you you're a dear nice complicated serious human being well i i like that I, it makes life more interesting Yes, it does. All right. Well, I'll just for now, I'll just say goodbye. And, and I'm so glad we did this. Thank you, Janet. Very Take much. care. Bye. Bye.